this morning we're going to jump in, look at some scripture, uh, study this uh, heritage from the Lord that we've been given. That is the Old and the New Testament. Uh, But before we do that, let's go ahead and quiet our hearts. Uh, Let's settle in and let's uh, give the Lord the first word this morning as we always do with a moment of silence. And I want to encourage you as we go into this, uh, this isn't just some rote ritual that we go through every week. But in fact, being still and pausing and being silent before the Lord is actually a beautiful mechanism through which we can orient ourselves into this life of faith once again. We can get so cluttered and distracted and disoriented and just stopping and pausing and allows us to just reorient once again to the Lord and to his activity in our lives. So with that being said, let's, uh, let's do what we always do and be still and give our good God the first word this morning and orient into his goodness. Here we are, Lord. Abba, Father, we come to you as children this morning. We don't come to you as slaves. We don't come to you as foreigners. We don't come to you as some deity in the sky who cannot be named, but we come to you as sons and daughters. And because of what you've done, we now can have the boldness to say that you are our Father in heaven. And so we thank you this morning for your holy scriptures, and we thank you for the gift of your word. Uh, You tell us, Yahweh, that we are to keep the scriptures in front of us, that we're to talk about them when we're on the road, that we're to wake up thinking about them and speaking them, that we're to uh, have our conversations ordered around the word of God, that the entirety of our lives just somehow, in some way, orbits around the grace and the gift of your word. And so we ask that that would be the case this morning. That as we, as people with different stories, with different backgrounds, with different ethnicities, we pray that we, diverse people, would come together under the banner of Jesus Christ and would be unified in our study of the Holy Scriptures, the God-breathed word of God. And as we do so, we ask that you would instruct us and train us in all righteousness and that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Would you provoke us into deeper levels of kingdom living and may our lives be lived uh, in such a way to where you have all of us, our Lord and Savior and King. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and the people of God, the young adults said... Amen and amen. Um, Thank God for fire alarms. How many of you guys were here last week in Young Adults? 
Many of you, many of you not. Okay, so last week we were, um, we were talking and we were discussing and we were about a third of the way into our time together and all of a sudden just this sacred contemplative moment where we're just nuancing the, the, the depths and the riches of scripture and how it applies to us and then lights start flashing, a weird voice comes on the intercom and we realize that there's a fire in the building. So um, we were rudely interrupted by the fire alarm last week and to just put a nice little bookend on it. Uh, it turns out that one of the dorm rooms here in our internships was smoking. I guess a blow dryer or something had been left on, or I still don't know all the details, but doors were not axed down. Uh, nothing burned to the ground, so we were good. If anything, we just enjoyed some fun in the sun and some church outside. But I say that to say that last week we were uh, discussing Sabbath. And we were discussing this holy rest that God institutes and rest that is characterized uh, in the life of the people of God. And so, you know what? We're just going to jump right back into where we were. And uh, I think that this is an important enough topic to revisit it, even the first third that we looked at. And, and it's alive enough in me to where uh, I'm passionate about even if we cover some ground that we did last week, and even if some of this is a review uh, from the, uh, you know, our time together last week, then I'm fine with that. I hope you guys are fine with that. Are you good with that? To talk about Sabbath again. Okay, great. Um, so if you were here last week, uh, the first third is going to be familiar, but if anything, um, you know, it's, it's just a reminder of this uh, very, very important thing that is Sabbath rest. And for the rest of you, uh, you can just let all this go one ear and out the other and start listening to me now, okay, because we're listening and leaning into the Lord and his scriptures. So um, I'm going to title this message, uh, The Grace of the Seventh Day Revisited. Because we began the grace of the seventh day last week, and we're going to revisit it again this week. Uh, You know, we began last week by looking at the reality that throughout Scripture, um, God himself, and then by extension, the people of God, are characterized both in the Old and the New Testament as a God of rest, and then as a people of rest. And that from the beginning in Genesis, God gives his people dominion. He creates them, obviously, in the Imago Dei, the image of God, bearing his likeness. And uh, by extension and by the very nature of how they were created, they were to exert their dominion and ruling and God-given authority over all creation. That is work. They were to name the animals. They were to be fruitful and multiply. They were to uh, subdue the earth with the goodness of God that they'd been given and created in. Work, work, work. But then also, God himself, before he even gives them this command to rule the earth and to uh, exert their dominion over it, he demonstrates a core characteristic of his nature and also a rhythm of life that the people of God would be known for for centuries. And we see this in Genesis 1, 31 into chapter 2. When it says this, the great prophet Moses uh, writing these words, and he says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. Completion, culmination, finality. 
So God blessed the seventh day. Everybody say blessed the seventh day. Blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God, after completing the task of forming and fashioning the heavens and the earth, uh, the skies and the seas, uh, the animals, he stops and he rests and he pauses and he gives reprieve. And not because our omnipotent God necessarily needs anything, because in him is complete and total self-sufficiency. He does not need rest. He does not work himself to the point where he overextends himself and needs to dial it back and catch a breather and rest his body. That's not the case. Uh, Instead, he is, by his very nature of being God and omnipotent and sovereign king, he is self-sustaining and self-sufficient. So we see something else at work here, that more than God just doing something out of necessity um, and out of obligation, we see God doing something out of modeling a practice, modeling a rhythm, modeling a consistent way of life for his people, and that is resting. Uh, and this rhythm of rest. And we see this, uh, we looked at last week, this cosmological ordering of seven days and how there is interwoven in the very fabric of the cosmological order a sacredness to the seventh day. Uh, There is beyond the law that God would give and what we're about to look at in a second and beyond any instruction to his people to rest, God before all of that interwove a sacredness and interwove a holiness into the seventh day. Let's put that passage back up on the screen, Genesis 1, because it says, God blessed the seventh day and made it what? Holy. He didn't say just the act of resting is holy. He didn't, just the acting of of, uh, pausing and stopping and uh, putting our works before the Lord and, and stopping for an entire day. That in and of itself is not holy. God made the seventh day of rest holy. And it's interesting because scholars have pointed out This word blessed, so God blessed the seventh day. Um, Just about five verses before, if you got your Bibles in front of you, you can look at it. But God blessed man and woman. And he says, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. In other words, uh, the blessing of God, there's some connection between that blessing and a recreation at work. Where God blesses man and women and says, be fruitful and multiply, create. And then God blesses the seventh day, and we see maybe, in fact, as scholars point out, this, uh, this um, interweaving of creativity being restored. The, with the blessing of God comes a restoration of creativity. I don't know, something to think about. But um, at the very end of the day, there is a sacredness to the seventh day, the Sabbath, that God institutes in the cosmological order. And then centuries later, in Exodus 20, we actually see this same God passing down the law to his people and drawing the boundary lines between uh, how they are to live and how they are not to live and what it means exactly to be the people of God in giving the Ten Commandments. And we see this in Exodus chapter 20, where we revisit this idea of the seventh day and of rest. And it says this. It's God speaking to his people. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The parameters. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or uh, the sojourner who is within your gates. And again, he brings it big picture here. Brings it to the cosmological level. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There's something about the seventh day. There's something about the Sabbath. There's something about that six days of work and that seventh day of rest. Whether that seventh day falls on a Sunday or whether that seventh day falls on a Wednesday, but six days and that seventh day, there's something that God is about, uh, both in the way that he characterizes himself to his people and in the way that he invites his people in to kingdom living. The seventh day, there is a blessing associated with Sabbath. Uh, And then... You know, uh, this institution of Sabbath uh, and this giving of the law really takes place in a profound period of Israel history because the Israelites were in Egypt, and we studied this again last week, how the Israelites were uh, slaves in the land of Egypt. We uh, very well know this story, but they were uh, toiling and laboring and and, uh, being subdued by the Egyptians. And then all of a sudden, a day comes where the Pharaoh says, you know what, we're going to tighten the collar a little bit. And uh, we're going to make you uh, make more bricks with less straw. This uh, drudgerous work. The hardest work they've ever done in, in Egypt in their slavery. And the Egyptians start demanding more brick, less straw, production, production, production. And if you don't produce for us, there's going to be a problem. There will be punishment. There will be death. Uh, there will be an even, even uh, tightening more of the collar in your lives as slaves. And then all of a sudden... This guy Moses steps up on the scene, and God raises this prophet up to deliver the people of God out of the hands of the Egyptians, and then he leads them into the wilderness of Sinai, where it's kind of the pit stop between Egypt and the promised land, the land that Yahweh would give his people. And in route to the promised land, God gives them the law, and in giving the law, Again, it's not just this list of things to do and this legalistic uh, boundary lines that they are to do or else dot, dot, dot. But instead, it's this beautiful expression of God and Yahweh and his characteristics. And it's an invitation into life with Yahweh and what exactly that looks like. And in this, Yahweh, in instituting Sabbath, flips the script from what he uh, was leading the Israelites out of in Egypt. He flips the script from Israel's past in Egypt now into a new way of living. Because where the Egyptians said, more brick, less straw, work, 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 produce— Yahweh says, yes, work needs to be done. Yes, there's obviously a role that work plays in our lives, but you're to be a people characterized by, by, excuse me, rest. That's that coffee speaking. You're to be a people characterized by breathing. 
You're to be a people characterized not by work and then you get acceptance, not by uh, the sweat of your brow and then there's safety, but instead there is love and there is life and there is acceptance even while you rest. So you can take a day and you can sacrifice that seventh day on the proverbial altar and you can believe that I've got you. Not only that I'm going to provide for you, but that there is love for you in your rest. And so I'd say it this way, that Sabbath teaches us that there is a divine belovedness for us that is not contingent upon our success, production, or efforts in life. This is the heart of Sabbath. This is the beating heart of Yahweh in instituting this day of rest in his people. It's this expression of him saying, you are loved. You are desired. You are pursued. You are accepted and adopted in my family, regardless of the production that you can give me. Regardless of how hard you can work and what you can generate with your own hands. Haha, that's cute. Yeah, okay. You have belovedness and life and love from me that is not contingent upon the works of your hands. And so Yahweh, are you seeing this? He absolutely rips the rug out from under the Israelites and their way of life that they learned in Egypt. And he orients them into a new way of living. And in doing so, there is this wonder and this awe and this new coloring of life and this shading and gradient of life that's established in them living in covenant relationship with him. And it's because they are beloved. They are chosen. They are accepted. And Sabbath is this beautiful expression thereof. And so at this point, I want to pause and kick it to the tables and discuss this and nuance this a little bit. So we got a question that I want you guys to ask and uh, nuance at your tables. Why do you think it's significant that God is characterized in Scripture as a God of rest? What do you think this means for us today? We'll pick this up in a few minutes right now. Swing for the fences, dig in, ready, go. Okay. I hope you're seeing already that Sabbath goes way beyond just a law that we are to observe. Because uh, many times uh, I've been in conversations with people Um, where we're talking about rest and the word Sabbath comes up and it's, oh, bro, that's legalism. That was the law. You know, that's no, 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 keep it away. But I hope we're seeing so far that there is something bigger at work with Sabbath, that there is um, a greater invitation, a greater way of life that God puts on the table for us in instituting the law of Sabbath. Uh, But we'll get to some of that here in a little bit. So if that is the invitation, and if that's the way of life that we are beckoned into, then I think where the great dissonance and tension lies in our life is in uh, a great lie that I want to give attention to right now. It's this great lie that we buy that says, I am what I produce. This tension that we constantly live in, this attitude, mindset, philosophy of life, however subconscious it may be, I think we all wrestle with this great lie of, I am what I produce. I am a few letters on a college transcript. 
I am how much money I make in my first job out of college. I am uh, A, B, C, D. I am what I do. I am what I give attention to. I am what the six days of my life outside of Sabbath looks like. And Yahweh just kicks the door in on all of that when it comes to Sabbath. Because this, I think, is the great lie that we as young adults have to wrestle to the ground, not just once. Not just every week, but every single day of our lives, because there's such a tendency for us, isn't there, to associate and draw uh, almost exclusively our sense of self-worth and belovedness and acceptance through what our hands can create for themselves, isn't there? Us feeling like when we're productive and when, man, when my calendar's tight and when I know what's coming up next and when I'm meal planning out the wazoo and I get all that right and when I'm doing this and when I'm doing that and when I'm passing classes in college, then, oh, I'm valued and I'm accepted. But instead, could there be a different way of life that Yahweh beckons us into, that there is belovedness outside of that? I think an even greater temptation for us believers, is to reduce the Christian faith to production and to reduce acceptance and equating God's activity in our lives and his love for us with what we can produce for him. How many times we read our Bible this week. Uh, If we talked to God or prayed sometime today, if we made it to church this month, if we're reading the newest John Maxwell book or Brene Brown book, You know, these things that we just try and associate God's love for us with the works of our hands. And Yahweh says, no, let Sabbath be a demonstration that that does not hold up because there is acceptance and there is belovedness on the table for you outside of that. And I think in our lives, the great clamorer of our souls, the enemy, the adversary, uh, exhaustively throws these things in our face and says, if you do this, then there's acceptance. And if you work this hard, then God will love you. And if you do this and this and this, and if you can just get this spiritual discipline down, and if you can just say no to this sin, and if you can just bop, 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 then God will love you. Then you'll be accepted. Then you'll have equilibrium in life. And I want to say that that is the voice of the Egyptian slave driver. That is the voice of the one who cracks the whip and says, more brick, less straw. But the tender voice of Yahweh, young adults, is the voice that says, there is a better way of life for you. There is belovedness for you. Step back, sacrifice some production on the altar, and come find me as a God who has already reconciled you to myself, who has already ransomed you, who has already made a way so that you can live in my love. That is the tender voice of Yahweh. And so I think in our lives, in the clutter and clamor, of the myriad of things that our lives hold, jobs, relationships, school, uh, fixing our car that just broke down, figuring out what's next in our lives. Am I going to stay here in Colorado? Am I going to move to Florida? You know, all of these different things. I think we need to be aware of the fact that there is a great clamorer who just stirs up noise, 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 noise. Do this, do this, do this. But the tender voice of Yahweh is much more quiet And it's much more commanding. And it's much more soft and tender and loving. Here is Sabbath. Walk in it. I I know uh, looking at our lives, 
JC and I, um, in instituting a weekly Sabbath, and again, not legalistically here, not, oh man, I got to do this so that God will. No, that's not what it's about at all. It's picking up the invitation on the table. And for us, instituting a weekly Sabbath has been one of the most life-changing, and I don't say this lightly, I I mean this in full sincerity, it's been one of the most life-changing disciplines that we have implemented in our lives together as a married couple. Where every Thursday night, 6 p.m., to every Friday night, 6 p.m., we set aside time to just rest and pause. And it really took some hard lines in the sand being drawn. We thought for a while, oh yeah, we want Sabbath, and that's kind of out there, and maybe we can wrangle it in from time to time. And, and it just never happened. Life got away from us. There was always home projects to do. There was always uh, things that we felt like we needed to get done. Uh, there was always days where I just worked from home, kind of softly, a little bit on the grid, a little bit not. But when we drew that line in the sand and said, nope, Thursday and Friday are Sabbath. It has been absolutely revolutionary to our lives. Where Sabbath now looks for us, uh, where it's a day of delight, just like it was in Israel. And we're not really going to give attention to that this morning. But it's a day where we just delight in food. It's a day of food. And it's a day of fun. And we're going to the pool with Rush and Ezra. And we're soaking up the sun. And Rush gets as much chocolate milk as he wants. And we just like enjoy. He's, he's watching Star Wars all day long. And like playing with lightsabers and whacking me on the shin. And it's okay because it's Sabbath, you know? It's this day of orientation and equilibrium. And I find myself so often on our Sabbaths just breathing in the air of eternity. Ah, just just breathing with God. Not even really talking with God. I do that. But there are moments where I'm just sitting there and all I do is just... With God. And there's this intimacy and there's this tenderness. And I realize in my Sabbath that when I uh, release the white knuckled grip that I have on my productivity, oh, if I could just send those three more emails, oh, if I could just spend another 30 minutes on the sermon, oh, if I could just, and I release those, then I find this equilibrium of soul happen in this orientation into the reality that Yahweh has accepted me, and I'm beloved, and I'm uh, his, regardless of the, uh, the nice, cutesy production that I can do for him. And as I release that, I find a new way of living, and I pick up that invitation on the table, and the same is for us today. It's that releasing of the white knuckle of independence and productivity and getting stuff done and associating what we do with Yahweh's activity in our life, but there is another way that Sabbath shows us. And so to this, I want to kick another discussion question up on the screen. Uh, that we can talk through, and that is, what are some things that we can tend to draw a sense of worth, acceptance, and belovedness from, apart from God? Go. All right. As you guys are wrapping up those discussions, um, You know, we look at this question, and I know there's a number of answers that I have to force myself to admit. Uh, What are some things that I can tend to draw a sense of self-worth, acceptance, and belovedness from apart from God? Um, You know, being perceived as capable. I don't know if any of you guys are there. 
um, uh, a sense of arrival, feeling like once I get here, then dot, dot, dot. Productivity, oh, I got this much done. You know, deep things that have deep, deep roots in our souls that I think when we're able to articulate and really think through in this light, it, it helps us to see, wow, there are some pretty high idols in my life that need to be toppled down. Um, and Sabbath is actually a great way to do that. So, the, I mean, the question I, I want to, you know, bring us to a conclusion with uh, this morning is, when was the last time you stopped? And I mean stopped, like laid it all down and did nothing, and didn't try and squeeze out a little bit of production into a seventh day, but just stopped and intentionally cast your crowns at the foot of the cross and say, you know what? Here you go, Sabbath. Um, I think we're so dang busy in life. Busyness, 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 clutter, fog, all of this stuff happening and all of this stuff to get done that, ha- that find their place in their appropriate context in the six days. But I think we're so busy to where we just, uh, we live six-day living in seven. When Yahweh invites us into another way, he says, come, work for six. Come, let's work together. Let's labor in the fields together. Let's find production in life together. But the seventh day, let's just stop. When was the last time that was the case for you? Where you just laid around and did nothing. Where you watched you know, the, the whole six seasons of Lost and the whole 10 seasons of Friends and the whole t- nine seasons of The Office or whatever, you just binged and aha. And you know, Sabbath is more than that. Sabbath's more than just resting because there's a rest for God, but there's also a rest with God. But when was the last time that you just took a risk and laid some productivity on the altar? And if God, just like with Isaac, would raise it up, he would raise it up. But if not, You're living this day with him, this day of rest. And you know, um, as we do this, and as we put a line in the sand and start implementing Sabbath in our lives, we're really stepping out in a daring and great act of faith. Because we're laying down the works of our hands and that which is comfortable for us, and just sacrificing it and putting it into the hands of Yahweh and saying, Lord, you do with this lack of production what you will. You accomplish what you want to accomplish through me not accomplishing anything. Uh, It's yours. Take it. And so engaging in Sabbath is this act of faith that we're really beckoned into when we find the character of Yahweh on full display and we find this rhythm of life and we find this orientation of life really in a profound way. And, you know, I think we can talk about Sabbath in a number of different ways. Oh, it protects us from burnout, it, you know, gives us a break, and it this, and it this, and all of those things are good, but I think Sabbath, more than any of that, just recalibrates and reorients our souls into the paternal care of Yahweh, the God who has made himself known as Father for us. And, you know, as we wrap up here this morning, Adele Alberg Calhoun says it this way beautifully. Uh, she says, Sabbath awakens us to a world we have not made and a friendship with God we have not earned. When we participate in Sabbath, we're reminded perpetually that this world was not made by my hands. And when I'm dead and gone, it's still going to keep going because there's a creator who fashioned this and who is at work in the world that is much stronger and much 
bigger and better than I am. And it awakens us to this friendship and this life and this relationship with God that we haven't earned ourselves. That this invitation is on the table, this belovedness is here for us to take up because Yahweh is just that good. Because he just, he, he's just loving in his nature and he's just gracious and he's just kind and practicing Sabbath just awakens our souls. Gives a, the world a new sense of wonder. Gives our rhythms of life, the other six days of the week, just a new wind to them, a new zip and zest to them. And it's because we're awakened to the reality that Yahweh has beloved, has, has uh, accepted us, has called us beloved, has adopted us into his family. And so the invitation this morning as we conclude is, you know, if you've grown a bit salty, you ever have seasons like that in your life of faith where you're just, you're, you're a bit salty, you're a bit crusty around the edges. Some of you hate these adjectives and that's Okay. <laughs> Some of you, you're, you're just a little dry and, and you're, you're worn out and you're just, ugh. Um, I want to encourage you, Sabbath, I think, could be a beautiful tool in lifting some of that and warming some tenderness that maybe has been lost and uh, warming a cooled soul and awakening you once again and opening your eyes once again to this life that is life with Yahweh and life with Abba Father and the rest and the belovedness that he's put on the table. And so, you know, we got about five more minutes. I want to kick it to a final discussion and then we'll close in prayer. But uh, let's talk really practically here. Where can you institute a regular Sabbath rest in your week? Uh, What could this day of rest look like for you personally? Take it away. Go. All right, everybody. I'm sure too big a question to really answer with the amount of time we just took. But, you know, I think the core question is, um, Sarah or Victoria or somebody, can we cut the music? Sorry. We, we have an unoccupied sound booth, and that's okay. Um, you know, I think the core question to answer here is what facilitates communion with God. Um, You know, when it comes to Sabbath, um, it's more than just rest. And I don't want to, I I hope it hasn't come across as that's exclusively what it is. Um, Because the end of the day, the end goal of Sabbath is communion with Yahweh and communion and fellowship with our Abba Father. And so I think in, in asking these questions, we first need to figure out what does communion with God look like for me? For my Sabbath, Uh, I have extended times of reading in the mornings, and then I have some reading in the afternoon, and I just have space just to constantly return to the Father. If all six days unintentionally was lived in the distant country, then Sabbath is coming back to the house of the Father as the prodigal and saying, I'm beloved. Okay. So I think that's a core question to answer. And then what, yeah, what can you do to just reorient yourself into that relationship where you are beloved and you are accepted and you are chosen? Uh, These are questions I think we all should ask and should answer and should implement into our lives because then we have rich communion with Yahweh and live life the way God really designed it to be lived in fellowship with him. Six days of labor, the seventh day, a day of belovedness, a day of rest, a day of acceptance, a day of Sabbath. Let's stand, people of God, and pray, and then we'll dismiss. Oh, Abba, we love being yours. 
We remember that you are not the slave driver, that you are not the Egyptian who cracks the whip, who demands production of us, but you are the God who lovingly just lavishes on us. Come rest, come find joy, come find goodness, come find life. And I pray that we would be people marked by rest and marked by Sabbath. Not to order it into our lives for legalism's sake or to do something to get your attention, but knowing that this is a mode through which we can commune with you. And so we ask that you would let it be done. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives as we seek the gift that is Sabbath. And we ask that as we go out this morning uh, and go and return to the four corners of the city to work and to engage in life in this world, we ask that we would be salt and light. We ask that we would be a city on a hill that is not hidden. We pray that we would be the fragrance of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. In the conversations we have, in the good works that we put on display, everything that our lives entail this week, let us be the fragrance of Jesus Christ. And we pray that kingdom work would get done in the process. We, uh, we love you. We pray your blessings on today. Send us out in peace and grace and life in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said strong. Amen.